there, everybody. Welcome to Up All Night and Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast. My name is Cortland, and with me today is the guy that's so totally into theater, Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? I'm doing spooky, Cortland. Oh my gosh, me too. One week from today is Halloween. I know we record these a little yeah. bit ahead of time, but it's pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see how it's going to go this year. Do you mean how we're going to record a podcast on Halloween, or just Halloween No, in I mean Halloween in general. <laughs> How it will exist? Well, uh, twenty twenty. Are things ramping up times. pretty badly in Australia too? Not so much. I'm gonna look at a COVID map live. Whoa! So between October 9th and tw- the twenty second, we had twenty three thousand cases in our state, and you have. Hold on, it's so small. I have to figure out how to click it. 255 total cases in all of Australia between October oh 10th and the 23rd. So, it's a plague. You guys are you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the last nice one for me, you. folks. Signing yeah. off. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it was really good being your friend, but I guess you'll miss watching We're Back. Oh, yeah, that's not happening. So, how are you doing today, Brandon? Doing good. How was your week? So, I've been watching uh, you know, horror themed things it's the spooky season yeah what have you been watching uh, well i saw that goosebumps was on netflix and you know i've mentioned it before i was a goosebumps kid yeah and uh yeah i picked an episode at random and i picked it came from beneath the sink have you heard of this one let me think about it cover wise was it the one that had the egg carton monster no that's some kind of monster blood i think i don't know is this the one that's a sponge? Yes, that's okay. that's what I was gonna get to. Is <laughs> you sound so disappointed? I, I remember, like you know, I remember Goosebumps as being this, uh, you know, spooky thing. But sure. this episode is literally about a goddamn evil sponge. So how was it? The episode itself was actually okay. Like it has some good moments, but man. A killer sponge. Hey, when you're R.L. Stein and you're like, oh shit, I gotta write one of these every other day of a killer soda can, a bookshelf that falls on a kid, uh, just looks around his room and finds ideas. This is an idea that has to be like <laughs> way late in the series when they're like, come on, R.L., we need, <laughs> we need a new book this week, and he's like, fuck, uh, shit. Uh, Night of the Living Dummy 10? And they're like, come on. <laughs> He's like, guys, I got this great one about a kill a sponge. <laughs> <laughs> so what else have you been watching besides one episode of Goosebumps? <laughs> Just random stuff. I watched uh, the Friday the 13th remake, reboot, whatever it was from 2009. Mm-hmm. That's not a great movie. <laughs> I don't think anybody claims it to be a great movie. No, I don't think so. See, I didn't watch any, like, adult horror. Well, that's a lie. I watched Dawn of the Dead yesterday. That was pretty great. I love that movie. I don't know. We watched that when we were kids. Okay, well, my child is five years old, and <laughs> so I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here watching Frank and Weenie and Mr. Boogity over and over <laughs> again, and... <laughs> I think about Mr. Boogie a lot because of you, so thanks for that, <laughs> Mr. Boogity. Apparently, everybody loves Mr. Boogity. I don't know why. Really? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Huh. Uh, okay. We also watched uh, Nightmare Before Christmas and, and Hocus Pocus. Yeah, and, Hocus um, Pocus is required viewing. Well, Brandon, are you ready to talk about uh, you know the show that we're here to talk about? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, Brandon and I just got done watching The Tale of Oblivion. What did you think about this episode, Brandon? I loved it. Did you? I did. I really did. Tell me why. <laughs> Generally speaking, of course. I love the concept of the episode. It's a high concept episode that we haven't really seen in a while. I mean, we've had the likes of magical fortune cookies take you to... I don't even fucking know what that is. Uh, dimension where your grandpa's dead. Yeah, dead grandpa dimension. <laughs> and Jumanji, just Jumanji. Yeah, somebody seen that over the weekend and was like, Kristen Dunst was really good in that movie. Let's do an Are You Afraid of the Dark episode about it. 
Can we get Kristen Dunst? No? Okay. Uh, Mike and kids. Let's do it anyway. (laughs) No one will notice. (laughs) We have Kristen Dunst at home. (laughs) Right? Yeah. It's such a cool concept. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. Um, I will say, I think that my um, opinion of it is a little biased because I had to do the notes for it and there is a lot of talking in this episode. Oh, yeah. This is a mouthy episode. Nobody shuts up in this episode, which is not, it's not a bad thing. It just is a bad thing if you try and transcribe it because you're just like, oh my God, what did they say? Fucking what? It's uh, Back it, it up. It took me like two and a half hours to write my notes for this thing. Um, but uh, that annoyance aside, yeah, I thought it was a pretty fun episode. Very yeah. um, imaginative, which is cool. Yeah, a lot of good scenes and moments in this episode, I think. I will say, though, <laughs> some, there's some dumb things about it, though. <laughs> oh, there's definitely some bonkers stuff. <laughs> we'll get into it. Yeah, for sure. Well, our episode starts and we see Tucker, Quinn, and Vange sitting on the sofa, and they're rummaging around in a box of junk. And Quinn pulls out a slinky, and Vange is all, check this shit out. And she's got old lady glasses on, which I thought at the time were part of this box, but I think they're just her glasses. Yeah, she's just blind. Yeah, I think she might be. And she's got this pink rotary phone in her hands, and she lifts the receiver to her ear saying, Hello? Marty, did you hear? They landed a man on the moon. And she laughs for a second, and then looks at it saying, This is, like, so ancient. That thing's from, like, three years before I had a, it wasn't a pink rotary phone, but I had a rotary phone in my basement and I used to love playing with it. The idea that like millennials or something don't know how to use a rotary phone is outrageous because they are so much fun. Like you, you put your finger in it and spin it and it goes, and it's so much fun. If you haven't played with a rotary phone, I would recommend it. I mean, they still make toy rotary phones. That's because they're fun. Whoever invented the rotary phone was looking to have a good time. I would want a rotary cell phone. Oh, man. Just can you imagine, like, <laughs> you, you're getting attacked by somebody, and you're like, oh, I gotta call 911, and you're like, nine. Because <laughs> nine takes Sending out a text. They have to go the whole like, way. hold on. Hold on. I gotta send my wife this <laughs> l- list, this grocery list. We need milk, so M. I. I wish. Well, Quinn starts playing with that slinky for a second, and we cut over to Megan, who says, Hey, I'm actually doing it. Check it out. And she's hula hooping. And she asks Tucker where he got this shit. The museum? Tucker's all, Sorta. I dug through my parents' garage. And Quinn now has a piece of paper in his hand, and Vange notices it and snatches it away and asks, What's that? And Quinn snatches it back, saying, It's one of those 3D puzzles that gives you a headache. Whatever happened to those things? And he throws the puzzle down. And we cut over to Andy. Oh, man. Sweet, precious Andy. And he's on some stilts for some reason. And he's like, look at this. Look, look. It's great. Got a story about okay. stilts. And he falls Objection. over the couch. And no one cares. What? Okay. It's ridiculous, but I can believe that Tucker carried a box with, you know, some knickknacks, a slinky, and an old telephone. <laughs> yeah. And some glasses and a wig, whatever. But I refuse to accept that Tucker carried a pair of stilts into this woods. Yeah. I just won't have it. I didn't think about that. Maybe Andy rode the stilts all the way through the woods. That's unlikely, too. No. He would fall several times over. He can barely walk as it is without falling. (laughs) That's true. Tucker shrugs saying, not exactly. My story's about stuff that's not around anymore. See, all this stuff used to be really popular. Vinyl records, which actually are popular again. People are buying vinyl records again. Mm-hmm. Eight-track tapes. I don't know if people are into eight-track tapes, though. I'm going to say no. Andy pops up from behind the couch asking, what's an eight-track tape? And Tucker stands up saying, exactly. And Megan sits down at the office chair. Andy sits next to her on something. I don't know what it was. I thought it was another office chair, maybe. But And Tucker says, so much stuff disappears completely that people barely remember them. So I was thinking... Where do things go when nobody wants them anymore? And who sends them there? And if it's the kind of place that takes anything, could it be the kind of place that takes anyone? And if you're... She just keeps going on. And if you're sent there, is there any way to get back? Or will you be stuck there and forgotten like yesterday's news? 
Vange has to take her glasses off for that intro, and Tucker grabs a monkey bone dust saying, submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I call this story The Tale of Oblivion. Yeah, so this is a Gary story. Oh, yeah. This is 100% a Gary story. I think that his intro pretty much uh, spot on, though. I don't think I have any complaints with it, really. No. Good job, Tucker. You did it. You got one. Our episode starts out exciting as hell. Two monks bust into a door, and the one in the lead is all like, Lock the doors, quickly! So they shut and lock the doors, and they catch their breath for a moment. When something on the other side of the door grunts and starts banging on it, and the older monk runs away saying that they gotta protect the tools. So he runs over and he grabs a little box, and the other monk's all, No! And the old monk tells him the power of the tools is even greater than he could imagine. And he picks out a pencil lead or something. It's like a piece of charcoal. Yeah. And he starts drawing some symbols or whatever. And that's what I thought. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he actually just writes Kronos because. Yeah, he does. But I put gibberish because that's what it looked like. Yeah, I thought he was just doing like some magic symbols. The young monk starts pestering him and the old monk's all, the tools of oblivion can't fall into his hands. And the door busts open and some Scottish-looking guy comes laughing in. He's got a torch in his hand, and the old monk erases the symbols, which is actually uh, his name, like we said, that he drew on the paper. And we look up, and the torch falls to the ground, and the dude is just completely gone. And uh, the young monk crumbles down with a sigh, and old monk puts the pieces of charcoal or whatever back in the box, saying, These tools cannot be found. Hide them in the new world. And the camera pans up to a stained glass window, and we fade into the cover of a book. So I was a bit disappointed when Kronos came into the door, because I thought it was a monster of some sort. It would have been cooler as a monster. Well, he's he's pounding on the door, and he's like... <laughs> so I expected some kind of hulking beast. It's just a somewhat obese uh, Scottish-looking man. Yeah, it's just a hulking man. That would have been cool if it was like... I mean, shit, it could have been Badge. <laughs> yeah, there's some Badge vibes. The camera pans around the room until it stops on a door that opens up, and Mom says, Max, it's getting up time. Which is a weird way to say get up, but... That's... It is. <laughs> it's, it's Nobody says that. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna Max, say. initiate awakening. <laughs> she zips out of there, and we pan down, we see a kid asleep in his bed, and he says, I hate it when she does that. And he opens his eyes, and then we cut. Get an alarm clock, you little bastard. He's the silly, like, unruly child or something. I don't know. Yeah, he's irresponsible. He opens up his eyes. We cut, and Mom's walking into the kitchen with a glass of vodka or something. And she says, you both have piano lessons at 3.30. I'll be home at 5. And I want the house clean. And that means you, Max. Your room is a disaster. Now, in the room is a boy and a girl. I assume that they were around the same age. They ended up being twins, so I guess I was right. Is this our first set of twins? No, we had T and Tamara on the show, Brandon. <laughs> I mean, characters. Um, I think so. I could be wrong. There might have been one other one. So, uh, how old do you think these kids are? Like, 10, 11-ish? Yeah, I'm gonna say 11. Okay. Max is all, what about Shelly? And Shelly says that her room is already cleaned. So Max tells her to start on his. And she's all, yeah, right. Mom looks over at Max, telling him to do it, and then Shelly tells Mom that she's going to be late for work, and she tells her that she'll be late for school, so scoot. And then Max complains because he can't find his art supplies, and he's looking around at some high-on-a-shelf books where art supplies would never be, and Mom walks over asking where he put them, and Max gets sassy, saying, if I knew that, I wouldn't be looking for them. So then Mom says, Responsibility, Max. Learn it. And she looks over at Shelly, who's finishing up her juice, saying, let's go. So she gets up and we cut outside. So we've established a good kid. Yes. And a Sam from Crimson Clown kid. He's not as bad as Sam from Crimson Clown, but I mean, he's not great. maybe in his attitude, but his actions, I'm going to say he's worse. Well, we got a few characters, so you want to meet him? Yeah. Who are these people? Okay. I'm not going to include the monks at the beginning because they are, like, barely even in this episode. So if you're like, oh boy, I can't wait to see who the young and old monk are, too bad. So first up, we have Mom. She's played by Dawn Ford. And she's been in a fair amount of things, including playing, quote-unquote, voice in The Worst Witch in 2001. Voice. That's the character's name? Yeah, that's what it told me on IMDb. 
she did voices in a show called Pinocchio 3000. <laughs> Holy shit, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I looked up the um, synopsis and it's about about Geppetto like making a uh, you know a robot Pinocchio and he's been installed with emotions. Well, I mean, honestly, that's the kind of thing you can tell exactly what it's about just from the title. Yeah, I mean, duh. Of course, she did a bunch of voices in Arthur, and she did a voice in a bunch of Assassin's Creed games. Just like everybody, I guess. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Next up is Max, played by Daniel Clark, who previously played a main character in, uh, I don't know if you knew this existed, an Eerie Indiana reboot in 1998 called Eerie Indiana The Other Dimension. Nope, never heard of it. I didn't know it existed either. He was also in something called My Best Friend is an Alien, which... Do you remember that show, like, the kid was purple and he had a horn on the top of his head for some reason? I didn't until you just said it, and now there's something... Yeah, something brewing ...in the back of my mind trying to claw its way back out, but I won't let it. Okay, good. (laughs) I think it might have been on uh, one ABC Family or Freeform or was, was Fox Family back then. An alternative name to that show is I was a sixth grade alien, and I couldn't tell which one was the correct title, so whatever. He also played Sean Cameron in a bunch of Degrassi stuff. Cool. Finally, for now, we have Emma Taylor Isherwood playing Shelley, and Emma went on to do some voice work in such shows as The Mysteries of Alfred Hedgehog, The Secret World of Benjamin Bear, and Cuckoo Harajuku. Those are probably all real. Yeah, I just like the the fact that it was like, the blank of blank blank, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like, let's make a I, kid's show. Uh, each time the... you were speaking, I was expecting you to say the mystery files of Shelby Wu, but you never <laughs> did. Okay, back in the episode, it's winter. We haven't had a really winter episode in quite some time. I just gotta say, you're like saying everything that's in my notes, so I feel like we're pretty simpatico with a lot of... What's going on here? You said there's not been many winter episodes. <laughs> yeah. It hasn't, though. Like, we, yeah. get back, we get back to the episode and it's winter and there's snow everywhere. And that's not something that we usually see in Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah, I was kind of, like, thrown off for a second. I was like, wait, what's going on here? Oh, it's just winter. They seem to try to not show winter, which... I'm pretty sure that Canada has, like, one hot month, and I think it's August, and then everything else is draped in snow. So, I don't know when they did the filming for all of the episodes, but they try really hard to not have, like, any... This looks colder than the Frozen Ghost episode, so... Yeah. Shelley asks Max what his problem is, and Max tells her, Just because we're twins doesn't mean we're joined at the hip. And Shelley agrees that they aren't, and Max starts listing shit out, saying that, But we eat together, you're in all my classes, we walk to school together, you hang with all my friends. And Shelly yells that they're her friends too, and Max is all, that's what I mean. You're like a a barnacle, get your own life. So I've never been a twin, believe it or not, but like that twin thing that you think of where they spend all their time together and they read each other's thoughts and they're, you know, start people on fire with their minds and stuff. That's... (laughs) I associate that with identical twins. Yeah. These are fraternal twins. They're not even real twins. Let's be real here. Well, They're okay. fake twins. Well, they're literally not twins in real life. But <laughs> yeah. But even ignoring that, buy into <laughs> the fiction they've created. Um, what, What's your point? <laughs> I don't have a point. This is nonsense. Uh, okay. <laughs> You know what, though? I will argue (laughs) that they're in, like, maybe fifth grade, maybe. So, of course, Mm. they're in all the same classes. They don't have electives or anything. They just have to do what's in the curriculum. (laughs) So, of course, they're going to have all the same friends if they're in all the same classes, because that's how you, like, make friends. It's not that many kids. And they eat together because they live together. So shut the hell up, Max. Then we hear a dog barking, and the kids stop, and they look ahead, and we see a big Rottweiler run up on them, barking in their face. And Shelly walks up on the animal, saying, It's okay, Butch. Don't bite him. You might get sick. And she pets the dog as Max rolls his eyes, and Shelly walks past the dog, who barks again at Max, who passes by. I thought that this dog was just, like, a random neighborhood dog. He's not? I think that it is their own dog. What the hell? (laughs) 
He's yeah. this scared of their own dog? Yeah, well, I understand why. I mean, that dog hates him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that dog's a demon, but I thought it was weird that he was that scared of a dog that presumably they see all the time, and they could probably avoid if they really wanted to. I think that the dog is in their own yard, and I think it's their dog, but I could yeah, be okay. wrong. That makes less sense, but okay. Yeah, well... We cut over and we see the Magic Mansion, and the kids stop and they look at the window, and Max says, hey, maybe we could get some art supplies here. And Shelly asks, what would make you think that? I wondered the same thing. It's a place called Magic Mansion. I've never been in a magic shop before, because I don't think we have any, but if I did, I would never expect there to be art supplies in there. No. Shelly asks if he can just borrow some, and Max says, no way, sharing art supplies is like sharing someone's toothbrush. It's not true at all. It is to Max. So he walks into the Magic Mansion. Inside, we see a skull in a cage and a bunch of other shit. Max calls out, uh, hello? And the camera pans around and we see some other crap like spiderwebs over a bookshelf. It's the most, like, boring Magic Mansion that we've had so far, I think. It is a bit sparser than it has been. This was an opportunity for them to be, like, alright, we're gonna put super specs in here, there's gonna be little doors... Um, magic potions that turned you into monsters. They had an opportunity, and they didn't really take it. Well, they probably had to save all of their props budget for later on in this episode. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> true, true, true. From behind a curtain pops Sardo, who says, Sardo is my name, and help is exactly what I have to offer. What can I... And he looks down and sees that he has a big napkin tucked into his shirt. And he grabs it, and he wipes his face, and then he throws it to the ground, asking, What can I help you with? Which is just a great little character moment. It was fun, yeah. It didn't have to be there at all, but it was just, it's a fun gag. What do you think of Sardo in Season 6? Do you think that he did a good job returning to the role after a few years vacation? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think he did too. He jumped right back into the Sardo persona really well. And that's Mm -hmm. why Richard Dumont is so great. MVP. Mm-hmm. He says, I know, perhaps a talisman from the Far East. And he's got this talisman in his hand, and he kind of swings that crap in front of Max's face, all hypnotic-like, and then says, or a doorway that could show the future. Which is such a, that was a little callback, I think, which was nice. Yeah, it's cool. You could find the most interesting items in my shop. All you need to do is ask. And Max nods his head and looks at him and says, art supplies. And Sardo points saying, pencils are over there. So he walks away, and Shelly tells him that they're going to be late for school. And Sardo laughs, saying, School? That's it! I have the perfect thing for school people. An abacus. And he pulls out a goddamn abacus, saying that it was once (laughs) used by someone a long time ago to measure the speed of heat. (laughs) He's ridiculous. Yeah. While he's saying that, we look at Shelly, who's digging in a box. And she comes across this tiny silver box which was the one from the beginning of the episode with the charcoal Mm -hmm. in it. And Max tells Sardo that he needs art supplies, and Shelly asks what this shit is that she found. And Sardo gets excited, saying, Ah, you have excellent taste. That comes all the way from England. It's very, very special. It's, uh... She picked up the least interesting-looking thing in the entire store, and is like, what is this? That's true. It's just a tiny silver box, really. It's uh, an antique holder for, uh, for art supplies. And he opens it up, and we see that Oblivion charcoal tool and a little eraser, a little piece of rubber is in there. Max takes the container and then hands it back, saying, there's only one piece of charcoal. And Sardo's all, it's not just any piece. This piece of charcoal has been passed down through the centuries. It has been used by some of the greatest artists of all time. And Max asks, really? And Sardo gives this weird noise in response. And Max asks, who used this shit? And Sardo's like, uh, Picasso and Da Vinci. And, um, did I say Picasso? (laughs) And Max thinks that this is way cool. And Sardo enthusiastically agrees, saying it can be his for only $30. And Shelly screams, $30? And Sardo immediately says, $10. I distinctly said $10. But I'm losing on the deal. His classic catchphrase. You know what? I'm going to say, though, like, I can't believe that they paid $10 for a piece of charcoal and then a lump of eraser. Yeah. Uh, like, that they sucks. don't know it's magic. <laughs> it's a piece of charcoal. One tiny sliver of charcoal. It's like a pencil lead of charcoal. <laughs> At this point, Sardo doesn't need an introduction. It's still Richard Dumont, so I'm just going to move on. 
Could you imagine if they just replaced him? That would be so funny. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'd want to see that just to see how awful it is. Yeah. Because no one else could play him. (laughs) No. I'm really glad that they got Richard Dumont back for it. it. I think that it would either be... It had to either be Richard Dumont or they had to just not do a Sardo episode. Yeah, definitely. But if they replaced him and it was just some like other like guy, that would be so funny. Like honestly, Sardo doesn't need to be in this episode. The story itself, you know, it stands up. He could have gotten that charcoal from anywhere. But yeah. I'm really glad that Sardo is in this episode. Oh yeah, I totally just agree. enhances it. Yeah. We cut, and now we're in an art room, and there's a guy sleeping at a desk, and the camera pans over, and there's a bunch of kids sitting in desks in a circle around um, an object in the middle of them, because they're, you know, being artsy-fartsy, whatever. We zoom in on Max, using the Oblivion charcoal, and he's drawing the bowl of fruit, but he fucks it up. So he grabs the eraser from the box, and he erases one of the fruits on his page. And Shelly, who's also arting it up, looks up and sees the fruit has disappeared completely from the bowl. So she looks around saying, hey, who took the apple? And the other kids in the class just kind of look around at each other. And we go back to Max, who looks around too. And then everyone just gets back to work. And Max grabs that eraser again and he starts erasing the pear he drew since that sucked a whole lot. And then Shelly asks, now who took the pear? Is nobody looking at this bowl of fruit? (laughs) No. Uh, they're very concentrated on drawing the bowl of fruit. They looked at it once and was like, I got this. Well, it's a, it's grapes. It's a bunch of circles. I don't need to look at it. I appreciate um, in this episode that like the drawings that Max does, because they're really the only ones that we see, are probably him actually, like the actor drawing on there, because it looks no yeah, offense. I hope but they like didn't shit. get an artist. <laughs> It looks like what you would think, uh, you know, a 10, 11 year old would draw for a bowl of fruit. Like The grapes are all like floating and stuff. <laughs> it's pretty funny. They're just a bunch of circles. Like you would imagine a child would draw a bundle of grapes. <laughs> yeah. But I just love the fact that he's like, no, no, no. This looks like shit. It's <laughs> too <He has to laughs> racist. <laughs> Well, we look and we see that the pair is gone too. And Shelly's all, can't you wait for lunch? Because apparently she's the only one paying attention. And she goes back to drawing. And Max looks at the eraser in his hands. And then he grabs the charcoal and writes Shelly's pencil on his paper. And he takes the eraser and he erases that shit. And we look over at Shelly who says, now who took my pencil? And Max gives the oblivion eraser a look. And then we cut scenes. I gotta say, um, I was a little disappointed and the fact that he can just write the words on the pad of paper and then erase that and it works. I thought he was definitely going to have to like draw what he wants to erase. Yeah, that would have been more interesting visually, definitely. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. It's just a shortcut, I guess. Well, I don't think he draws anything else. So he just uses words from now on, pretty much. He draws one more thing later on, but... Now we're outside, and Max and Shelly are walking home from school. And Max says, I don't know what happened, okay? And Shelly asks if he's the least bit curious. And Max yells, you're the brains of the family, you figure it out. And at this point, I have in my notes, my god, this kid sounds like Buzz from Phantom Cab. Oh no. Mm Mm-hmm. He has that Buzz quality right here, and it's annoying. He's definitely a better actor than Buzz. Oh yeah, for sure. I wonder if Buzz went on to do anything else. I don't know, we never looked. Do you want me to look real quick? Kind of, yeah. All right, hold on. I sure hope he didn't do anything else. You never know. I mean, Arthur might have been like, you're perfect for the role. <laughs> All right. Uh, Buzz. Sean Vertigo. That's a cool name. Uh, He's been in other stuff. Oh, no. Let me see here. What else has he ruined? Mr. Belvedere in 1988. Uh, Puppet Master 2. 32 short films about Glenn Cood. He was in The Mouth of Madness. <laughs> right, right. He was in The Headless Ghost in Goosebumps. Uh, Ace Combat Zero, the Belkin War video game from 2006. Remember? You remember that show? Oh, or yeah. that He was like, take the red path! And I was like, oh, there he is. Classic. All right, that's enough of that. Back to the episode. 
The dog starts barking at the kids and Max screams, oh no, and it starts chasing him because the dog isn't on a leash anymore. So he climbs up a tree as Shelly just casually walks away and the dog barks a whole bunch at him as he asks Shelly to wait up. And then Shelly walks up to him saying, why? I thought I was a barnacle. Max is all, no, you thought, you thought that was a bad thing? Barnacles are good. They're, they're our friends. And Shelly says, yeah, right. Then looks at the dog saying, when he comes down, eat him and walks away. And the dog barks some more as the branch Max is sitting on starts to crack. So he cries for help and tells the dog to go away and chase some birds and squirrels. And then Max reaches into his pocket and pulls out the container with the charcoal in it. And he grabs a piece of paper and starts drawing something. And then he quickly erases it. The tree branch snaps and he falls to the ground and the dog is gone. And he reaches over and he picks up the collar of Butch the dog. Damn. Remember in um, The Tale of the Hunted when Laura was like, wolves don't attack people? Yeah. So if she thinks that wolves don't attack people, why do dogs, which are generally, like, tame, attack people? Because Laura is insane. That's a fair point. We zip inside the house and Shelly is banging on the keys of a piano. (laughs) She's doing scales, but I like to, you know, ham it up. And Max walks in carrying the collar of the dog. He walks over to Shelly and asks if Butch ran in here, which is why I think that it's their dog. She tells him no, unless he was chasing him, and then the doorbell rings, and Shelly asks if he's going to go get it. So Max kind of walks away, and Shelly's all, wake up, it's Miss Fitzgerald here for our lesson. Max tells her that he doesn't feel like practicing today, and Shelly yells, you can't just bail. Max tells her he isn't bailing, and we hear the doorbell ring again, and Max says, but I'm not practicing either. And Shelly sighs and walks over to open up the door, and in walks Miss Fitzgerald, who complains, saying that she got two more wrinkles waiting outside for her. It was like 11 seconds. That's a pretty funny response, though. How would you even be able to tell if she had two more wrinkles? (laughs) Shelly apologizes, and the old bitch says, now, what are we doing today? She's a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) All right. She's not a very pleasant lady. Exactly. She's a Karen. <laughs> Shelly tells her, let me guess, scales. An oldie. I'm not going to say Miss Fitzgerald every time, so it was a lot to write. The oldie says, that's right, scales. I hope you've been practicing. And we hear some weird sound effect, and the ladies walk around the corner, and the piano is gone. And Miss Fitzgerald is all, is this some kind of joke? And Shelly stumbles, saying that she doesn't know. And we see Max throwing the eraser up and catching it. Shelly looks to Max for help, and he's all, where'd the piano go? And the old lady scowls, saying she has no time for games. And she walks away, and Max walks the other way, and then Shelly walks after Max. This lady's getting paid, though, so... Yeah, is she just gone now? She's gone. She got obliviated. <laughs> what if they just moved the piano to a different part of the house? No, she's like... She walks in, and she's like, it's not in the same place? Fuck that, I'm out. Miss Fitzgerald is played by Una Kay, who has been in the show before. You're not going to guess it. So we last saw her in the tale of Whispering Walls as an elegant lady. Cool. Sure. Yeah. She's actually still alive today, and she was just in something this year called French Exit. Good for her. That's what I'm saying. Her first role was in 1977 in a movie called Rabid, which is a Canadian zombie movie. I wonder if that's any good. I looked up the trailer last night, and it looks... It doesn't look terrible. Aside from those, she was in a lot of TV movies. That's all I'm going to say about her. So, now we're in another room, and Max is drawing some crap in a sketchbook with that charcoal. And Shelly's all, nobody can move a piano that fast. And Max tells her, maybe, maybe not. And Shelly's pacing back and forth, telling him not to fool around, and asks him what happened. And Max flips a page in his book, saying that he erased it. Shelly's all, you what? And Max tells her that Sardo guy was right. This thing is special. Whatever I draw, I can erase. I mean, really erase. Observe. And Max writes the words, Shelly's underpants, and underlines that. And then he takes the eraser and erases it as Shelly says, Shelly's underpants? Can you be a little bit more juvenile? And he gets done and Shelly says, yeah, so? And Max motions for her to check her pants. So she turns a little, she looks down her pants, and then embarrassingly asks how he did that. And I didn't like this part at all. So that was perhaps the weirdest example he could have made. 
to show that he had magical powers. Some adult wrote that this should happen. Yeah. Like, I get you're trying to appeal to, like, the haha, like, potty humor of kids or whatever, but it didn't age very well. And I think it's definitely the low point of this episode <laughs> in an otherwise good episode. Yeah. Just, just oh, weird. you don't think I'm magic? Well, I'll undress you. Uh, yeah. It's not great. It's not. It Honestly, it reminded me of like a really shitty late 90s commercial for cereal or something like. <sighs> like, gotta I was have just my watching a YouTube video of 90s commercials yesterday. <laughs> Were you like watching it on by yourself? <laughs> No, I was with my daughter, but okay. she was like, are we just watching commercials? Because <laughs> I didn't tell her what we were watching. After a while, you know, she was waiting for the show to come on, but it never did. <laughs> That's okay. I like watching commercials, too. We used to watch commercials together all the time. It's probably we the did. same batch of commercials we watched like 10 years ago. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, those are the best. Except for this one, that where this kid erases the girl's underwear. I didn't like that commercial. No. She jumps to get the charcoal, but Max grabs it, saying, It's mine! Shelly starts pacing back and forth, saying, That's what happened to the fruit in the classroom, isn't it? And my pencil! And Max lifts up Butch's collar in response, and Shelly grabs it, saying, You erased Butch? And he smiles, and she's like, You can't just erase things you don't like! And Max says that he can. And, uh, if you don't stay out of my face, you'll be next. And he shows her his pad of paper with her name written on it. So she says that she's going to tell mom and he snaps the lid closed to his little box and grabs it and he chases after her in the living room. She says that she's going to tell mom and he's all, no, you ain't. And she's all, watch me. And she picks up the phone and Max tells her to put the phone down. Shelly gets sassy saying, what are you going to do? Erase me? <laughs> Such an absurd idea. He says, maybe. And she's all, yeah, right. And the phone answers and Shelly says, hi, mom, this is Shelly. We have a problem here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're fine. But Max is, and we look over at Max furiously writing and then erasing something. And back with Shelly, she starts to fucking melt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this, even though you can see it coming, I was just like, I can't believe he fucking did it. (laughs) No, right? That is some stone cold dark music shit. It kind of is, right? He doesn't know what's happening to these things. <laughs> he literally obliterated his sister to avoid a tiny bit of trouble. <laughs> yeah. If she was like, Mom, like, Max is here erasing dogs in pianos, the mom would have been like, Haha, anyway, I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he murdered her for all he knows. <laughs> she screams, Max! And he looks up, but she's gone, and the phone dangles, and we hear Mom calling for Shelly. And then Max starts calling for Shelly, and he walks over, and he fixes his hair, and he picks up the phone saying, Mom? Hi. Uh, no, no, no problems here. I, I don't know what she meant. Um, you want to talk to her? Uh, hold on. And he calls for Shelly, and then says that she had to go, because nature calls. Gotta run. Bye. And then looks in the distance saying, what That's like the, the creepiest part of it. How he just calmly picks up the phone after murdering his sister and is just like, Oh, no, she's here somewhere. Bye. (laughs) She's definitely in this dimension, Mom. See ya. Why didn't he just erase the phone that she was using? Because he was just driven by pure rage and spite. Yeah. Hey there, everybody. Cortland here, your good buddy and your art teacher. Thank you so much for listening in. Whether you're new this week or a longtime fan, we always appreciate you spending some time with us. If you're a fan of the show, you can connect with us on Twitter at PRVT Island and Instagram at Private Island Presents. We post a ton of new content every week, including GIFs, memes, pictures, videos, and more for every episode. This season, Brandon and I have been taking turns doing abridged episodes of the show condensed down into one hilarious minute, and they are a ton of fun. We go all in with sound effects, music, and doing all of the voices. Join us every Wednesday night on Instagram to watch full-length episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark live with fans. Did you miss an episode? I always post them to our profile. To support our show, you can visit patreon.com slash private island and check out our tiers. For as low as $1 a month, you'll get instant access to early ad-free episodes uploaded the moment I finished editing. 
Higher tiers give more rewards like bonus Quick Fright episodes, which are fun movie reviews we've been doing. We also have our bloopers and outtakes for each episode, Are You Afraid of the Dark book readings, a Patreon-exclusive improv episode, and more. All proceeds from Patreon go right back into the podcast to improve our equipment and help us make the best podcast that we can. I hope you take a moment to check it out and become a patron today. I'd like to thank our current patrons, the Bronze Beth, Heather, Eddie, Mia, and Tristan, the Silver Goth, Shane, Stephen, Matt, and Kaylee, the Golden Day Days, Bryce, Angela, Faith, and Sarah, and the Platinum Bostics, Kathy, Carly, and Evelyn. Thank you so much, everyone. We greatly appreciate your support. Our Season 6 finale is quickly approaching, and we'll be recording it on November 21st. We need your help in making it great. If you have any questions for either of us about podcasting, our favorite movies, any questions about the show, please get them into us. You can submit your questions to any of our social media accounts or through email at privateislandpresents at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you and answer your questions. If you're loving the show, there's a couple of things you can do. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Podchaser. These help us get noticed and rank higher on the charts. We're normally within the top 100 for TV and film review for both the United States and Canada, and we'd love to reach the top 50. You can also tell a friend about us or shout us out on social media. Reading nice tweets or seeing us getting featured in Instagram stories is beyond amazing. For a quick link to all of our social medias, the Facebook group, YouTube page, and Patreon, check out the Linktree link in our episode description. I'd like to take a moment to thank the Benevolent Badger for his work on the music for our show, aside from this theme, Dating Star from Undertale, composed by Toby Fox. I'd also like to thank Brandon for his work on the artwork. For now, I'll let you get back to the episode, and I'll talk to you again soon. Bye, everyone! We cut, and we're in the Magic Mansion, and Max opens the door calling for Mr. Sardo, and Sardo pops up from behind the counter saying, It's Sardo! No Mr. Accent on the dough. So Max walks up to him saying, Look, that stuff you sold me made my sister disappear. No, it didn't. You made your sister disappear. The Sardo, who's dusting his skull, says, And that's a problem because... And Max starts yelling at him, walking behind his counter saying, Because she's gone! I don't know where she is, and it's all my fault! Is that enough of a problem for you? And Sardo yells back at him, It is if you want a refund, because I don't give refunds. And Max screams, I don't want a refund! I want my sister back! Sardo's all, Of course you do! Well, it's, um, quite simple, really. In order for you to get her back, you must, uh... And he looks in a book saying, First find her, and in order for you to find her, you must follow her and go where she went. And he sneakily looks at Max, and Max looks back at him saying, Follow her? You're right! And Sardo laughs a little saying, I am! And Max leaves the Magic Mansion saying, thanks, Mr. Sardo. And Sardo corrects him, and then and then we stay back with him for a second as he says, I gotta get out of this business. What else would Sardo do? Mm, go into theater? Walmart greeter, perhaps? He probably would be a good car salesman. No, he's actually a terrible salesman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> Back at the house, we see Max tie a rope around his waist and then the frame of his bed. And we look at a sketchbook that says Max and the silver box on it. Then he takes a big breath and he starts erasing. And we get this flash and we move through like a warp or something and fall into a pile of socks and clothes and shit. And then some sawdust falls on top of Max and he gets up and he looks around and he's just in this big room of lost items. He tugs on the rope, and then it just falls down to him, and it isn't attached to anything anymore. So he opens up his silver box and makes sure that his oblivion tools are in there, and then he gets up. So just a little bit of a logical question. Okay. When the dog got obliterated, Mm -hmm. the collar stayed behind, because it's not part of the dog. Max kept all of his clothes, which, you know, it's a good thing as a viewer. Yeah. But the rope even came with him. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, doesn't make any sense. Whatever. Yeah, I agree. At least it's not that big of a deal. Because, <laughs> like, the rope didn't play any importance whatsoever. And you know what? It was a good idea for him to try that. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought of any of that. <laughs> I would have just been like, well, shit, she's gone. Uh, oh, well. I'll obliterate my mom. And then the police, when they come and ask questions about her. Yeah. <laughs> just keep going. He walks around and we hear somebody speaking Shakespeare. I don't know why that was there. No, I don't understand what any of this. Like later we hear a bit of Abraham Lincoln's, you know, four score and seven years ago speech. And I don't know why that's there either. Yeah, somebody erased 
Shakespeare and the Gettysburg Address. That fades and then somebody else can be heard talking. And we spin around and Max is looking at all of this just straight up garbage. And we hear a piano. So Jake follows that and he brushes past some big cobwebs. And he calls out, uh, excuse me. And someone tells him to go away because this is his region. So Max is all, okay, but where are we? And we look over and we see that Scottish dude from the beginning of the episode. <laughs> Who looks at Max saying, we're in oblivion, and if you were here, you've been erased like everything else, and he laughs. So Max takes a step forward towards him saying, all this shit's been erased? And this big dude stands up and he grabs a hose saying, what's this? It's nothing! And this! And he picks up a pink flamingo ornament and he says, it does not move, it doesn't breathe. And he takes a bite and then throws it away saying, garbage! Max asks who he is and the guy says, I am Kronos the Conqueror! And when I escape this dungeon of rubbish, all shall know my name and once again feel my wrath. And Max is totally unfazed by this giant man yelling at him. Kronos just waves him away and walks back and sits down at the piano. At least he's immortal in here. Yeah, like he doesn't need to eat, I guess? No, probably not. And like people be sending new shit there all the time. Are they though? I mean, is, so my question is, this is there's a lot of stuff in here. And it's, mm-hmm. I mean... It's a lot of newer things because, you know, they don't have the budget to make, like, old stuff. But, like, there's a crate of pink flamingos. Who was just like, I'm going to erase this. I don't want to deal with this crate of pink pink flamingos. But does this mean that there's more than one Oblivion tool? Because they don't say that. Like, are we expected to believe that this tiny stick of charcoal and little rubber eraser, like, wrote and erased all of everything in here? Yeah, I have a hard time believing that. Like, how many owners could this thing have had? Exactly. There's got to be, like, more than one Oblivion tool. That's the only thing that would make sense. But there can't be lots and lots of them, or they'd be buried in junk. Yeah, but they are buried in junk in comparison to how if there was only one Oblivion tool. Yeah, I suppose so. So Kronos is played by Alan LaGrosse who was uncredited as the Crimson Clown. Isn't that cool? That is cool. He also played a construction worker in The Tale of the Guardian's Curse. And, Brandon, he was also, also, in Battlefield Earth. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Not the high point of his Mm. career. Nope. Well, I mean, it was a major major motion picture, so... Yeah, it sucked. They didn't know it was going to yeah. suck before it came out. <laughs> I mean, the director had, and writer they had, stuff to have. had an idea, but... Everyone but John Travolta. Yeah, maybe. exactly. Doesn't he look like he was in Battlefield Earth, though? Yeah, I can believe it. Like, if I think of Battlefield He's a man Earth, animal, yeah. I'm sure. I think of John Travolta, and then I just think of, like, a culmination of people that look exactly like this man. <laughs> <laughs> he was also in three episodes of Eureka. So Max picks up a radio and Kronos looks over saying, who erased you? And Max tells him, no one. I erased myself. And Kronos tells him not to trifle with him and asks why anyone would erase themselves. And Max tells him that it's to find his sister. So Kronos slowly looks at him saying, then you must possess the tools of oblivion. Max is all the what? No, I just have a stick of charcoal and an old eraser. And I'm just sitting here like, Max, what the fuck, dude? This guy is clearly evil. (laughs) He's Kronos the Conqueror. You know, give him the benefit of the doubt. He could be one of those good conquerors. He's not. Conqueror with a heart of gold. He's he's a monster. Like, come on. I thought he was a monster. Kronos stands up saying, the tools. I've waited for them for centuries. Give them to me. And Max backs up saying, why? Kronos is all, you do want to get out of here. Only I know the way. Max backs up some more past that crate of flamingos I've been talking about. Saying, well... Why don't you just tell me, and then we'll get out of here together. And Kronos gets closer to the kids saying, Just give me the tools. Don't make me crush you. <laughs> <laughs> don't make me crush you. What a so- great sentence. <laughs> so Max throws down a stack of skis and runs away. And he goes over to a box, and he starts writing with the charcoal. And then he erases it. And Kronos turns to fucking dust in front of him. And Max smiles for a very brief moment. Then from behind him pops Kronos saying, you didn't think that would work, did you boy? And he laughs and he chases him past the piano. It was a really great idea for him to try and erase him though. It was a good idea and it was also well executed the way, like, I thought he would come back, but I thought he would come back later. Yeah. So it surprised even me that he was just right there again. 
It was really funny. Um, I thought maybe that if he erased him in Oblivion that he would go to, like, extra Oblivion. Super Oblivion? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had the same thought. But then he literally appears right behind Max in, like, less than a second, and it's pretty funny. Yeah. So he's chasing this kid around this, like, trash heap, essentially, and I swear that the music that is playing is straight out of The Tale of Badge. Yeah. If it's not exactly the same thing, then it's very similar. Yes. It's like that bagpipe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We don't even need to grab a clip of it. You got that. <laughs> you got yep, I listened to it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I bet you did. <laughs> so he's chasing him through that shit, and now he's got this axe in his hand, which is pretty great. I mean, axes are awesome. And Max runs past something that gives that Abraham Lincoln speech, the Gettysburg Address, and he tries some iron bars, but they're locked. And then he runs over to a car and he gets inside of it. Kronos runs his way growling and he starts sniffing around and then he runs past the car. And inside, Max throws some clothes off of himself and he says, Now what? And he grabs a piece of paper on the dash and he writes and erases something. And then Sardo appears next to him, brushing his teeth. And he spits the toothpaste out, <laughs> screaming. And then looks over, saying, You! And Max is all, I did what you said. I followed my sister here and now I got stuck. And Sardo asks where he is. And Max tells him, Oblivion. That's where everything goes when it's been erased by this. Sardo's all, really? How interesting. And he slowly tries to grab the eraser. But Max pulls it away saying, you sold it to me. Now you're going to get us out of here. And Sardo looks around saying, I can assure you, I have no idea. And Max's car door gets grabbed by Kronos, which freaks Sardo out. And he bails out of the car screaming, what is that? And Max follows yelling, that guy. So Sardo doesn't actually help them get out, does he? No. So He doesn't do anything. Bringing him in here is like, you know, it's cool having Sardo here, but he does nothing. Yeah, he's just there for comic relief. Just like Jar Jar Binks. Perfect. The two stop near a rocking chair, and we hear Shelly scream, Max! Max over here! And she's in a big birdcage on a conveyor belt for some reason. And the dog Butch is near her in a box. <laughs> Somebody erased a giant birdcage and a working conveyor belt. Yeah, given enough time, people will, will erase everything. <sighs> Max apologizes, saying that he didn't know this was going to happen, and she tells him to get her out of there when the conveyor belt comes to life, and she screams. And Kronos grabs Sardo from behind, and Shelly's all, That smelly guy put me in here! Kronos points where the conveyor belt is going, and he says sooner or later, all things in Oblivion end up in there to make more room. And the conveyor moves some more and Shelly's screaming and Max tells Kronos to just let her go. And he holds up a key saying, the girl for the tools. And Shelly tells Max to give him what he wants. And Max is all, okay, okay, just give me the keys first. And we look behind Max's back and he's taking the tools out of the box. So Sardo tries to, to reason with Kronos, but he just growls at him. So Sardo backs away and Kronos points at Max saying, you are in no position to bargain. So Max takes out the charcoal saying, Alright, here. And he tosses the box over to Kronos, who catches it and laughs in victory. Max tells him to give him the key, and Kronos tells him to go get it, and tosses it into the white space that the conveyor is going into. Which I guess is extra oblivion, right? Yeah. Max screams and asks Sardo for help, who throws his toothbrush and tries to help with the cage. Kronos takes out the tools, saying that the kid has no idea about the power of the tools that it creates and destroys. And now they're mine. And then we look at this piece of cardboard in his hands and he's drawn a door on it. And then he erases it and a door appears in front of him. So was Max breaking the charcoal in half then? Because he clearly gave him stuff to do this door magic, right? Yeah. Okay. Because like I didn't understand what the point of having the box behind Max's back. And, you know, I thought he was just going to like leave the tools out of it. But then he, Kronos has the tools, so... Sardo gives up saying it's hopeless and Kronos is all at last I'll return to my time and finish what I started and we look over at Max who says they create and destroy and Kronos kicks open the door and we see the two monks in there from the beginning of the episode and he laughs and over with Max he starts writing on a paper Sardo asks what he's doing and he says I'm going to erase oblivion and that stops Kronos who points at him with his axe saying no you can't erase oblivion and he runs after them with his axe yelling, and then it flashes to white. And we pan down to see Shelly, Max, Sardo, and Butch in a completely white room. And Shelly asks, what happened? 
Max tells her that he did it. He erased Oblivion. So Shelly asks why they didn't get erased. And Max says, it's because I didn't erase us. And he lifts up the paper and there's a circle on it with the names Max, Shelly, Sardo, and Butch in it. And above it is Oblivion that's erased out. So Shelly smiles and Sardo asks where they are. And Max looks around saying that they're nowhere, but not for long. And he draws a door. And he looks over at Shelly asking if she wants the honors. And she smiles and she erases the door which appears in front of them. And the kids smile and Sardo says, I don't suppose you could draw an addition to my house, hmm? And they all walk through the door and Max turns on the light and they're back in his room. And Shelly smiles looking around saying, I never thought I'd be so happy to see this mess. And Sardo's all, tell me that was all a dream. And then Max, who's looking out a window, whips around yelling, Mom! And they run past Sardo, who looks at them saying, Mothers never like me. What does that mean? I don't know, that he fucks up the lives of dozens of children. (laughs) I mean, he does. Does it ever come back to him, though? (laughs) Maybe it does, and they run up to the store to, you know, talk to the manager, you know? Hmm. I'd like to see those encounters. (laughs) Yeah, right. You sold my son a portal to another world. You turned my son into a hideous monster. (laughs) Um, did you enjoy, like, their solution to getting out of that predicament? Yeah, I liked, uh, the nothing dimension. Yeah, me too. Which is a separate dimension from Super Oblivion, so there's a lot of different dimensions in play. Here's what I think. I think that him erasing Oblivion was, like, refreshing Oblivion. Like, it's that's what Oblivion was at the beginning, and just all of the shit is just gone now. Like, Kronos, so you, he's You he's think someone dead. had to, like, build the walls in the room? Well, I think maybe somebody just, like, erased a building, and that's why they were inside of a building. <laughs> someone erased shelves to yeah. put all of the junk on? Right, yeah. I mean, you don't know. Maybe somebody was like, I'm gonna live, live it up in Oblivion. Okay. It's gonna be great. And so, then fucking Max comes along and kills This is the true form of Oblivion. Yeah, like he threw everything in the dumpster and and erased it for good, and this is what came out of it. Okay, I like that. I want to know, because Kronos is in there, and Oblivion's probably really big. How many other people did Max just eliminate for eternity? (laughs) Do you think Oblivion is really big? Because it actually seemed kind of small and cramped, and they had to constantly destroy things to make more room. Yeah, I guess you're right. It probably isn't that big. Maybe Kronos, I mean, I, okay. Yeah, Kronos would know. I mean, he was there for centuries or whatever. Yeah, he probably took a stroll around Oblivion a few times. Yeah, learning piano and whatnot. So does he get to decide what, like, stays in Oblivion then? I mean, I guess I guess. Right? Someone's got to run that. Conveyor belt? <laughs> whatever. So downstairs, Mom walks through the house and she sees that her piano is missing. And the kids run down the stairs and she asks where the piano went. We see Butch and Sardo follow too, and Shelly says, that's what I called you about. It was totally out of tune, so... And she yanks Sardo over, and he says, so I took it to the shop to get tuned. In fact, I really should be going there now. Goodbye. And Mom looks at the kids saying that the house is a mess. What had you kids been doing? And Max clears the throat saying, nothing, just playing with the dog. And he kneels down and he starts cuddling on Butch. The (laughs) end. Uh, he killed that dog, though, in his own mind. He killed his sister, too. (laughs) Yes. He killed, you know, without a second thought. (laughs) Only after both times was he like, what have I done? But he would have kept doing it. The only reason he went to go get his sister is so he didn't get in trouble. Yeah. It's kind of cool. He gets to keep the Oblivion stuff. So, like, if he ever wants to just get away, he can just erase himself, go to Oblivion, hang out put a circle with his name in it and erase everything again once he wants to come back home or actually no he can just put the door in from oblivion so he's got like this own his own little like pocket dimension essentially yeah he could just be like erase money and then go to oblivion get the money go out the door and be rich you can make a door at any time at any place it seems if you can imagine it you can do it yeah the possibilities are endless, honestly. These are the most powerful tools that Sardo has ever had. It's true. I want to know, though, like, why did the door that they opened up automatically link to, like, their time and, you know, their 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 time period and, like, where they last were? Do you think it's... Because it, it seems to just also be linked to what's in your mind. 
Because if you wrote Shelly on a piece of paper and erased it, like there's a lot of Shelleys on the earth. And they all got disappeared. <laughs> God, I hope so. That's a good point. Yeah. Okay. I think it's fun. I think it's a cool I think it's a cool idea, cool tool, and I thought it was executed pretty well. Yeah. It's not a perfect episode, but I thought it was really good. And, you know, a lot better than a lot of the episodes we've been watching lately. Yeah. Definitely. I think it'll probably rank high on our um, countdown to whatever season six gave us. So at the Midnight Society, Tucker says that so Max had the power to create and destroy and it all came from a simple piece of charcoal and a tiny piece of rubber. And Tucker, who was apparently drawing in a sketch pad the entire time that he was telling his story, turns his work over, which is a picture of the gang sitting around the campfire. And he says, the end. Everyone thinks that shit is awesome, and Tucker turns the picture back over, and Megan gives him the side eyes, asking what he's doing with that. And Tucker rips the paper out of his sketchbook, saying, Duh, it's not very good. I thought I'd just... And he looks like he's about to toss that shit into the fire, but all the kids get up to stop him, and they rip it away from him. And Tucker's all, hey, it was just a story, but I'll take care of it if you guys help me carry this stuff back. And they all agree, and they start picking up all the shit, and that's the end of the episode. Finally, he's got control of this group. Yeah, he wrangled him in. Cowboy Tucker, finally. What do you think the moral of the story is? Um, With great power comes great responsibility. Sure. Don't murder your sister. That's a given. That's a moral in a lot of episodes. Yeah, don't murder your dog. I think that uh, Shelly actually gave us the greatest uh, moral is that you can't just erase things you don't like. (laughs) Yeah. You just kind of have to deal with them. Sad but true. That's life. I'm going to say, though, Brandon, the tale of oblivion is pretty perfectly named. It sounds cool. It does. And it is very indicative of what the story's about. Yeah, that was oblivion. Let's try and make a shittier name, then, <laughs> for the first <laughs> <Okay>. time. <laughs> What's a worse name? Uh, the, the tale, tale of the of missing Shelley's underpants. underpants. <laughs> <laughs> She never got those back. No, she didn't. <laughs> they got obliviated. <laughs> the tale of the Scottish giant. The tale of the $10 charcoal. The tale of Miss Fitzgerald's piano lessons. Or lack thereof. The tale of who's paying Miss Fitzgerald to just leave <laughs> the house. Who's paying her and why? The tale of it's a winter episode in Are You Afraid of the Dark? So they do have winter in Canada. Hmm. That's all I got, though, Brandon. Yeah, it's a good title. So, um, I think that this one had a really low rating on IMDb as well. Yeah, I don't know what these people want. It had a 3.3 out of 10, which is stupid. Absurd! This is, this is like a solid 7 or 8, I think. Yeah. Well, do you want to know what episode is next, Brandon? What is it? Okay, so Season 6, Episode 11 is The Tale... So, season six, episode eleven, the tale of Vampire Town. Oh, f- finally! Yeah. I know, right? I've been waiting weeks. I knew that this was coming because I just heard about the name. So, um, who do you think is going to tell the tale of Vampire Town? I think, man, no one deserves to tell Vampire Town. Uh, <laughs> it's probably going to be Quinn. I bet you it's Quinn, too. I don't think Andy's going to tell a vampire tale. Maybe, maybe Megan, but I feel like she has already told a couple of tales. I think it's, I think it's Quinn's turn again. Yeah, just based on the numbers. Which has never steered us, like, in the right direction before. No, that's not how it works, but (laughs) it makes sense that it should. Yeah, I'm going to say Quinn with you. What do you think the tale of Vampire Town is going to be about? (laughs) It's... (laughs) It's a goddamn town of vampires. <laughs> I think it's going to be Salem's Lot. Somebody's just moseying on through a town. Their car breaks down. They're like, boy, this uh, town sure has a bunch of weirdos in it. Everybody's not around <laughs> during the day. Yeah, They're all freaking vampires, man. Yeah, I agree. I think that they're going to stroll into town and they're going to be like, oh. It's getting dark out. And then they're going to be swarmed by all of the townsfolk, which are all vampires. <laughs> and that sounds cool. I am down for that. I'm pretty excited for this one. So 
This episode has a 9.3 out of 10 with 628 reviews. I'd like to say that that fills me with confidence, but it doesn't. I know, right? I have my expectations set um, pretty high. All of the vampire episodes that we've had so far in the show have been really good and quite different from each other. So yeah, Vampires are a sure bet. Yeah, exactly. Are You Afraid of the Dark like knows how to do vampires. So unless they fuck it up in season six... I'm excited for it. Which is a possibility, but we'll see. I'm not going to lie, though, Brandon. Um, When we started this podcast, everybody was like, oh, man, wait till you get to season six or seven. I've been having a good time with season six so far. I don't think there's any episodes that are like, well, aside from Misfortune Cookie, that are like super, super terrible. So, yeah, I'm having a good time. I wouldn't have even noticed a drop in quality or anything if it wasn't built up so much beforehand. Exactly. feel the same way. But for now, Brandon, I've been up all night. I gotta go to sleep. I need to prepare for Vampire Town, which, by the way, we are going to be recording on Halloween. So That is perfect. It's pretty perfect. <laughs> I'm excited. But I'm, I'm out of here, Brandon. I will talk to you in a week. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Responsibility, Max. Learn it.